Welcome to another episode of PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, AKA Escaping the Matrix. So welcome to the first segment of my tech talk where we discuss uh, technology and up and, emerging, up and coming emerging technology. But it, so in this episode, I'd like to welcome my guest, Diva Sister, as we discuss an interesting job that she presented to me that I personally had never heard of in my 20 something years of working in IT and working as a lab and playing video games and stuff. And that's a game master. So Diva Sister, welcome to the show and thank you for coming on. So uh, thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then also your experience with being a game master and what exactly that is. Well, a game master is someone that actually works inside the game that you don't actually see. Um, in the old days, you would actually see them. Uh, you would um, most likely page them and they would appear before you and ask you what your question was or what your problem was. And I believe that probably became problematic because they, if they were seen too much, they might have gotten overwhelmed. I'm just going to guess on that. Later on, I think the job, uh, you know, evolved into chat rooms or chat types of things, and then maybe onto phone support. But then I think phone support also got overwhelmed. So it became very hard to find a phone number to call within a game to actually speak to someone. And then it evolved more maybe into an email type thing where you had to email and then there'd be a staff of some sort that would uh, respond to your email through a ticket system. Um, that's kind of what, how it evolved for me anyway. I'm just, you know, guessing here. But mm -hmm. for me, there was one particular job that I was in where I actually appeared to the person as an avatar like them. And I would ask them what their problem was. And some of the avatars that were work, that were living, we called them, you know, uh, customers that were like living in this game. They, they did this game 24 seven. And some of them were paid on a different tier, a higher tier of subscription. And they got special treatment in a way. Um, and I would appear to them and, you know, any of them we'd appear to, but sometimes people were paying a little more money so we kind of gave them a little more special service because they were paying a little bit more money. And, uh, you know, you appear to them, you find out what their question was or the problem that they were having within our software, and we would fix it and we go on to the next call. And that's how it was. You would page a person or game master. And they're called different things. They could be called, depending on the game, they would name them different types of, you know, people that would appear. Mm-hmm. And uh, a game master is more of a general term, but within a game, they were called different things, usually on theme with whatever the game was, like a pirate game. Maybe they were called sailors or whatever. So almost like when you're playing like Dungeons and Dragons, I don't know if you ever played that, and you always had like, I guess the bookkeeper or the gatekeeper and they're the ones that read the rules out and made sure things were in check and people were doing like the right things on the board itself. Something similar yes, to exactly. that? exactly. Okay. Something similar to that. Someone that's like a, a person that could manipulate the system in order to help the person that's having an issue with it or issue with the software in some way or an issue with another player. And those players are called the ones that are being the antagonist. Mm -hmm. uh, if I have that word right, the person that's antagonizing someone uh, uh, or griefer. The term is griefer. So someone that's coming onto the person's property 
or that person's area where they're having a gathering or they're questing together and griefing them, causing them grief. So they were called, hence, griefer. So we'd have to solve disputes between avatars or players. So how'd you get into this? Because I know my, my story when it comes to me and how I got into, into IT is like I learned how to, my dad introduced technology to me at a very young age because my dad worked in communications and he would bring home fiber optic cables and stuff. So he introduced myself and my brother to computers when I think I was, I think, no, I wouldn't, I didn't think. I was nine at the time on the Commodore 64. And so he taught me about Cobalt and Basic. And then from that point on, I kind of fell in love with technology. So I've always known that that was something that I would work into, even though I did want to be a psychologist. But I find that psychology and technology kind of go hand in hand. So, but, uh, <laughs> In your experience, like what what led you to become a, a game master? Like what even, how did you even hear about something like that? And it piqued your interest to even get into that. Well, are you talking about like, how did I get into computers in general? How did I get the job itself? Uh, I mean, a little bit of both. Like what, I mean, if, you, if you're into technology, what got you into technology? And then once you got into it, what, who, how did you even discover the position of a game master and thought, hey, you know, that's something I might be interested in doing? Well, there were two similar games uh, that I was working in. They were competing mm-hmm. games. The first one that I was working in, uh, a friend of mine knew someone that was working at the first one and was asking if I would like to try working there. And I was unemployed. And I took the job and that's what it was doing. I had never heard of anything like it. I didn't even know really what it was. So I, you know, got that job. Well, that one, you know, in the Silicon Valley, how very volatile it can be. A dot com can be there one second and then go on the next. Mm -hmm. And then the VCs are handing, you know, money out like candy back then. And a VC, you know, would would just kind of give the money out and then the, the dot com will be gone. And that's unfortunately what happened to me. However, uh, when I was in a parking lot after I got laid off, I got a phone call from the competing one, uh, from the CEO of the competing one. And they said, well, you know what? Um, I heard you just lost your job, so come work for me. So I was only unemployed for 22 minutes. And that's the game that I'm talking about that I am working, had worked for, you know, for this no, podcast. Awesome. That <laughs> was really awesome. So 22 I- minutes of unemployment was pretty good. Yes, because I, I know we need a lot of that going on today with 40-something million plus people unemployed right now. I wish it was just 22 minutes for people right now. Right. But, it, uh, you know, I, I went for an interview with, with him, mm-hmm. and um, the, the smallest uh, problem that I kind of had with the thing was is that when he kind of came into the room, he was um, about a little bit, <laughs> put it this way, he was... Uh, about a quarter of my age and I was like um I, I don't know about this here but uh <laughs> but isn't that how it is though a lot of these startup companies I mean because I mean we don't we have not so to listen we have not discussed each other's age because she doesn't know how old I am and I don't know how old yeah, she is exactly and I'm comfortable but, in that and it, but it's like a lot of these companies especially like a lot of uh senior managers you find that if you're up in age they're typically younger than you <laughs> Typically, yes, but I was so used to the person that I would work for um, being way older than I was, and I was just, it was a shock. 
But then when I listened to the young man, he had very good vision and I took a job. And I worked there for a very long time. And that's how I got that particular job. But leading into it, um, I was always into computers. Like I think my father took me into a radio shack mm-hmm. and they had this computer called the Tandy 1000. Yeah, I remember do that. Do you remember that? I do. And I mowed a lot of lawns. I did a lot of um, work around the house until I saved up enough money to buy one for myself. And I bought one and I was fascinated, absolutely fascinated. I also babysat for someone nearby my my mom and dad's house. And mm-hmm. he and I were always writing programs for each other. So, uh, oh, really? In what language? It was the Tandy language. I think Tandy had its own language. I guess I would call it basic. Okay. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was Tandy's language. It was the only language that, I guess, existed at the time. I think it or was basic at, at the time. Basic at the time, yeah. So we would write programs for each other and, and say, oh, look what I made it do, or whatever. And then... Um, yeah, then kids nowadays, my- they don't understand anything about it because everything is GUI-based now. No, they, and they, they don't, don't understand how when literally, like when we were growing up, to tell a computer to do something, you really had to tell a computer to do something. You had to code it in for it to do it. Especially yeah. to run. It wasn't, a, oh, I'm going to go click on this icon, I'm going to double-click, and it's going to start running. No, you, you had to write out a command to make it actually run. Absolutely. Just to make that mouse go across the screen. There's code making it do that. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how it kind of evolved. Um, I kind of went with the flow. So every computer that came out or type of operating system that came out, I made sure I learned about it. And that kind of evolved into different jobs. I just kind of went with the flow pretty much. And see, that's that's good. And it's, that's what I love to see, especially as um, and I will say as a woman in, in technology, too, because it's a male dominated world. And I know it's not something we've talked about, but I still like seeing stuff like that, because in my field, like every position I've had, it's been 90 percent. Well, I didn't even say 90 percent, actually about 97 percent men. So I encourage diversity within technology because I mean, it helps. I mean, look at some of the original programmers. I mean, we've made movies on them. They were all women. I mean, so, you know, that's great to hear, especially you get into technology and you love it and then come across this this awesome position. Because, I mean, it's technology is a great thing. I mean, because we all use it. So why not learn about what it is? I'm not saying everybody has to be an engineer, even though I encourage, because I'm an engineer, I encourage everybody (laughs) to be an engineer. But not everybody's going to be an engineer, but at least get into it to find out what it is and actually how it can work for you because it really can help you out and expand your consciousness and, and a ton of ways so I encourage everybody even with my two boys they uh, I, I, I preach to them about becoming uh, developers or programmers and I've always had them go to a programming class I taught them how to build computers and stuff and it's not their way but at least it's something they can fall back on because my oldest wants to get into video production and that's what he does well he said he wanted to be a network engineer but I knew that you know that wasn't what he was going to do because he never demonstrated any interest in that outside of me showing him how to build a computer but he did video production really good. And he taught himself how to use Adobe um, Premiere Pro and all Adobe platforms to create his stuff and publish videos online and actually make his own content. And then my youngest son is a graphics designer. And so we had, I got him into learning how to use the iPad and teach him about technology too. But so their passion might not be in it as far as like on my end goes and me working on emerging technologies, but at least 
it's something they can fall back on as a secondary skill. And I think everybody needs to have that as a secondary skill. Because, I mean, it's... Absolutely. It's something we're going to always have. We're going to always... Because we're in the digital age now. So all the regular brick-and-mortar jobs, they some of them still do exist. Like, I talk about it some of my other part of my other shows as far as trade skills go. But now IT, to me, is considered a, it's a trade skill now. So, back on the topic, because I'm, to, I'm about to stray off on the topic. So, <laughs> a game master. <laughs> uh, so, give me some of the things that you actually had to do while working as a game master. Because, like I said, this is an interesting position. And it's something, like I said, I've been in technology for 20 plus years. I've never been a developer, even though I know how to code. I've never been a developer, but I had never heard of a position like this ever existing, even outside of this. I mean, even as she said it, but, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff and knew what there was. But I never know that that was similar to a title that, you know, they would call themselves. So, yeah, give us some more about, you know, the game master and what some of the stuff you actually had to do within the game itself when working with users. Okay, well, I can give you a, a personal one. Um, my mother is very supportive of any work that I'm doing. So in the first game that I worked in, she made an account and she went around in there and she learned about the game because she wanted to be supportive of what I was doing. Uh, the, it was a PG-13 type of game. So the clothing was regular you know, regular PG type clothing. The mm-hmm. avatar bodies were PG type bodies. They were not anything sexy or anything like that. However, the second game allowed adult anything goes type of clothing look. Uh, you could be uh, a fantasy. You could mm-hmm. be um, anything you wanted. You could be an animal. You could be a fantasy animal. You could be a fantasy woman. You could be a man. You could be whatever you wanted. It was your your imagination. You could do whatever you wanted as far as how you looked. Well, one day, my mother was logged in, and she had a problem. And guess who she got? She got me when she paged for someone to come and take a look at what a problem she was having. She got me. Now, no one in the company knew that she was in there and that she was my mother. Mm-hmm. She was just in there because she wanted to support her daughter. So she got me and I figured it can't be really be a harm if they don't know who she is. Right. That I can go and help her. So I went and I helped her and I was professional. She wanted to make sure that I was being professional. She wants to make sure, you know, that I'm going to keep my job. So I just acted like I didn't really know her, but I do know her in real life. But I don't know her in this little game. So it takes a minute sometimes for just like when we go into Minecraft, we have to wait for the, the the screen to load. Right. Or you might have to wait for it to see what kind of weapon I have mm-hmm. or anything like that. Back then, it took a little bit more time for the surroundings or the atmosphere to load. So I'm kind of sitting there waiting for the atmosphere to load. And then when it loaded, she was this, how do I put it, pretty woman type... <laughs> <laughs> Your mom Hollywood was Boulevard. The sexy, sexy in the game. <laughs> sexy, sexy. And this is my, you know, mother, uh, my own mother in this <laughs> outfit. That, and I was like, I, I, I was in shock. 
And she says, I can be whatever I want in this game. Amen so, to that. <laughs> help my problem, please. And, you know, but this was on a private chat between the two uh, of us. Okay. So I said, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you wearing? You know, she said, I can be whatever I want in this game. It's in the game. Right. So I was like, uh, oh, I, I, Okay, okay, I'm sorry. What is the problem that I can help you with? And I did help her with her problem and I left. I was just in shock. It was absolute shock. So what That's was the problem example. that she was having that you had to come in and um, help her out with? If you can talk she, about that. Um, yeah, I guess pretty much. She was having a problem with, because the, the, uh, the game you could build, uh, they had player housing. Uh-huh. And she was having a problem moving something into an area that it wouldn't let her move it into, but it should have. So it lights up green. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever played Animal Crossing, but Animal Crossing uh-huh. will allow you to move things around. Right. And when it's green, you can move it there. If it turns red, you can't move it there. Right. And she was getting the green zone, an indicator, and it should have let her move it there, but it wouldn't. Okay. And it turned out it was an offending object on the outside that was too close and that was why she couldn't move it to the green zone. So when you have those situations come up and you log in and you actually see that, so what's the next step after that? Well, you you have to, you have to log the problem. You have to log, fill out a a form, log the problem and then the engineering know about it so that they can, you know, fix it in the future so that that can't happen again. Okay. Or put it in the software. If you put this here, then you may have problems putting something else near it or whatever. Also, you actually can put it in. So, but you can put in an error message. So, if somebody goes in, it can uh, something to pop up and say, you know, not allowed because of X, Y, and Z. Well, it would influence them to possibly put something in there. Okay. By filling out the form, doesn't mean it would go in. It just means that it possibly could go in later at some other point. So you would see the error, but you would, and then you would in turn would turn around and generate a ticket and report it up. I would see the problem she had, uh-huh. and then in my ticket, I would write, you know, you might want to look at this, maybe put a error message in the future. You know, it doesn't mean it would get read. It doesn't mean it would get done, uh-huh. but it means that uh, in the future it would be a quality of life improvement for the for the you know for the the avatars, the players. Oh, that's cool. So they would just, if they did do it, they would fix it and then push out a patch to update exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Be part of a patch, a quality of life patch. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So, so then, okay, that's a great. So, do you think those positions are still, do they still have something like that today? Because, like I said, I don't know anything about this. I mean, this is kind of, it's interesting to me because I'm like, okay, it's a game master. And if a, if a user encounters a problem, they can page a game master. Do those things still exist today that you know of? Yes, they should, I would imagine. Um, it may be more like uh, it may be more like the uh, ticket system, which means they don't have to communicate with anyone a day because these days, during my experience, there were some toxic people. Mm-hmm. but you didn't run into them too much. There were griefers but you had tools in order to suppress griefers. You had tools to do that. You could just either ban them, you could silence them, you could move them to another location and talk to them and say, look, you know, dude, this is what you're gonna be known for. Do you really wanna 
you know, be this way. Yeah, you know, I, ne- I never understood that. So yeah, working. I mean, well, I guess in any job you have, especially when you're dealing with customers, or in our case, end exactly, kind of like HR. You know, like, like dude, <laughs> dude, do you really want to act like this? Because this this entire community is going to know you for this, and then not let you in any of their events. Right. You know, is, this yeah. is what they're going to be known for. So you really shouldn't act this way. End users then, are something else. <laughs> exactly. So it's the same s- situation. Now, I noticed that there weren't that many. I would say in my career there in several years, I maybe only ran into, I'll say, 20 notorious griefers. And then there were like minor griefers, Mm -hmm. you know, minor ones that just didn't know that they were griefing. Also complaining, I bought this game and this game should be working this way and you better fix it right now. No, they were griefing other people. Oh, okay. other people like other gamers yes they were annoying other people oh wow yeah I guess you do still see that a lot today especially with these online games oh my gosh oh my gosh especially when these kids talk to each other when they're playing them online huh. yes some of them do they need were to be not as toxic. yeah they were not as toxic as you see now I never came across anyone that was that toxic there may have been some notorious ones in my top 20 list Mm-hmm. that were, you know, absolutely vile. But then there were types that were just doing things that they thought were okay when they weren't. Because who reads the terms of service? And also it was naive of the game to think that people would just behave well. And, right. right. So they had to institute tools that we could actually deal with people who did not behave right. Because at first when the game opened, they had no tools. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have no tools? Because in the other game that I had worked in, we had tools. You act bad, you know, then we act bad towards you. You're Mm -hmm. a guest here. You are a guest in our game. And if you act badly, then guests get removed. It's the same as a bar. If you acted this way in the real life, people will call the police on you. Right. If you come in my house and act badly, I'm going to call 911 and have you removed from my house. It's the same thing here, but they never got that concept. And then another interesting thing is that everyone, by the time there were a few patches went by, everyone that owned player housing had controls to remove people, Mm -hmm. to actually remove people and ban them from their land. So anytime they tried to come back, they got ejected. So they could remove people. They could keep people from putting objects on their land. They could keep people from doing anything at all, coming there, putting objects, doing anything. They'd be like uh, persona non grata on their land, right? But then they would refuse to use the controls we give them and then expect me to patrol their land. And that's not something that we did. Because how could we possibly do that with thousands of players online all the time? Expect me to come and just patrol their land like a police officer. Yeah, it I can imagine impossible. that would be hard. There's no way that that could be when you had your own controls. Especially so like that game, I, I, um, I had to learn how to develop in when I was in, in college. Uh, was it? Um, is it Second Life? I think it's called Second Life. I would call those people help hypochondriacs because they called every night, every day, the same people when they could help themselves. So I call them help hypochondriacs. 
And now they could, because I mean, I imagine you, they were use you all for like bigger problems, like bugs and things of that nature. So with the um, regular end user, they could set up their own like boundaries or policies within the game itself to prevent people from coming in and, and causing chaos within their land, right? Yes. Okay. But they would refuse to use the, the you know, controls that were there. Because they wanted you all to come and do it and police it. Yes, they did. They felt Ooh. that we should do that for the money they were paying. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, that would be a headache. Oh, my God, that would be a headache. Yeah, and it was. It was Second Life. Second Life, I don't know if you ever heard of Second Life. Second Life is a, it's an amazing online game because you technically can live out your life within this game itself. And I actually met some uh, people on there that developed their own products that you can sell within game. And so I guess they would use you all for that, too. So let's say, okay, let's go to that situation. So... so would that would that be something that you all would be responsible for? So, say I'm building a store within the game, and I should be able to sell a particular item, but it's giving me an error message whenever I try to list it in the end user. Another end user comes into my store and try to purchase it. Would it be something I will call on a game master for? That would be yes. Okay. Wow. So working in that job for as long as you did, how does somebody get trained for that? or even find out about it and get into it? Because I can see now, as you describe when we talk about it, that's similar to what people would do like in, um, uh, let's say Twitter. Twitter and their, their rights of use or use of rights or whatever. And when people violate so use of rights then they get a warning and then they turn around and it'll, they'll get banned from it themselves. So how would somebody even get prepared for that type of job? Well, um, the first you know, the first world that I worked for was some experience there. And, you know, just being involved in, you know, playing games in general, you know what kind of personalities there are and you interact with them mm-hmm. and you can just like walk away from somebody and say, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Or you can try to deal with it. I like to try to deal with people. I like to give people a chance, you know, Mm-hmm. And I always wanted, I was always interested in, um, like there was one world that I was in or a game. It was called, uh, long time ago, it was called Worlds Away. It was on CompuServe. And there were these uh, game masters and they called themselves Alkalites. And I always was interested in becoming an Alkalite. But, you know, they were, it was an actual job and you had to live in California and I didn't live in California. So, that was kind of one of my things that I wanted to do is it like a dream job. It was like a dream job to me and someone that a friend of mine knew someone that worked there, but then they moved to another job and then that's how I got the job at the second place that he worked. And what was like some of the requirements for the job itself? Well, I was just lucky. I knew a friend, I had a friend that was, (laughs) that worked there. That was just a luck thing. But I'm sure that they had uh, requirements of good people skills, um, being able to listen. um, And they probably had a a training guide and such. My training was always watching Alkalites from the other first first world that I ever was in, which was just as a customer. But the Mm -hmm. second one was I had a friend that was like mentoring me. So it was more of a luck kind of thing. And then since that world crashed because of, you know, VC issues running out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I already had the experience to get into the next one. 
So the job itself really basically for those positions is more for like server based platforms. Almost like yeah. the um the Minecrafts and the Fortnites and what is it, WoW and some of those games like that. So that's the type of the environment that a game master really would exist in is if personally somebody else is within the company server and they encountered a problem, they could ping you all and then you all would jump into yeah. the game to see what was going on. I mean, on. even World of Warcraft has has people that will contact you privately in chat and say, mm-hmm. I heard you have a an issue. I mean, I don't know if they still have them, but I know I was playing World of Warcraft once mm-hmm. and I had an issue and someone contacted me, but I never saw them. As a as a person like me in the game. They oh, did that- contact me privately. Okay. Also, in the games that you were that you were a game master in, you actually had your own avatar. I did, yes, and I appeared before them. Oh, All right. so what was your avatar like? Well, you know, we couldn't be like my mother had chosen. Oh, you couldn't be somebody sexy. No, <laughs> you, had... you could... No, yeah, you no. couldn't be that like that. Okay, um, mine looked like a businesswoman. I just kind of looked like a career businesswoman. I carried a briefcase, had some glasses. That was kind of it. I did change up here and there, here and there. But, you know, most of the employees, they 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 chose different things. They had, like, certain interests they liked. Um, one guy was a, a, like a, he made his, like, a one of the members from KISS. Mm-hmm. You know, you were allowed to do anything you wanted, as long as it wasn't offensive. Okay. Yeah, I can now I can see the business thing because that would be actually pretty cool. You show up because you did handle some business. You show up with yeah. like as an avatar with a briefcase in your hand and say, "Okay, well, how absolutely. can I help you today?" Yeah, absolutely. I change it up a couple of times. Like I put on like long hair. Um, you know, a couple of times I changed up to like a a uh, br- uh, like like a uh, a gown. Like I was going to go on Dancing with the Stars. It's, it's silly stuff like that. You know, you just change up change up in anything you wanted but as long as it was not offensive right because you don't want to come in the game looking like Gene Simmons <laughs> with right. your spike boots be, on <laughs> I was not going to be Gene Simmons but I remember one guy you know he was like a, a one of the members from KISS uh huh that's funny yeah, but all the imagine. avatars had different interests and they, they they came in the way that they wanted they customized their avatar the way they wanted so now would that job require you to have, I mean, clearly you got to have some technical skills, right? Yes. So would they have, would it be like basic computing or would you have to know any like programming, anything like that? You needed to know programming, yes. Because sometimes uh, there would be offending objects, like the, the person would put down something and then it might cause something on a server end. So mm-hmm. then you'd have to go and either go to the server and figure out what it was or you'd have to go and tell the server team that something was going on. You might have to tell net, I mean, not, not go to the server, you might have to tell net into the server and figure it out. It was all different things. It See, was a very well, versatile world, you know, because it was all new. Sometimes you never really knew what was going on. You had to just get back to them. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was always a server team sitting there that you could just talk to and say, this is going on. Can you tell me how to help this person? And see, that's what makes the aspect of technology cool. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. look at it as, oh, it's complicated. Oh, I can't do this and do that. But I'm like, imagine that if you were a game master, you're the gatekeeper. 
So you, you know, what is it? Uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> you, the, you the gatekeeper. And it's like somebody have a problem and you actually get to, your job is to be this game master. You come into this game, help this person out with a problem. You have your own avatar. And then once you got the issue going and you got a ticket in place and you log off, so they, they see you leave out of the game. And then on the back end of it, you go into your, you tail net in or you SSH into the server and then you look at some of the things that's taking place on the server side of the house. And like you said, potentially have to fix it. And if you, something that you can't do is beyond what you're supposed to be doing and you submit a ticket in, but you still have complete control over helping somebody resolve an issue and your job is involved in interactivity within the video game. People, technology is cool. <laughs> technology yes, is, it is. is great. Yes, technology it is. is cool. And my motto was from a book that I wrote. What was my, it was my motto I went by. Is a book that I uh, read, not wrote, read by Amy Jo Kime. And one of the main things I took from her book was tools, no rules. So give the, give the people, the players, the tools in order to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So the tools were there on their land and their player housing right there that they could just get rid of people that they didn't want there or silence people that they didn't want to listen to or whatever. They could do it themselves, but they would never do it. And it helps them out with their creativity too. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and I guess that's the user side of the house. It's like, if I got to learn anything more than what I'm used to, I don't know if I want to do that. I'd rather have somebody else come in and police. So in this case, police my land for me and boot somebody out because they're doing something that I seem to find offensive. Right, but if you were in real life, let's say your neighbor was blasting, you know, some sort of music that you didn't like. Mm-hmm. You would call the police if you were trying to have, uh, you trying to sleep, or they were doing something that they shouldn't be doing over there, screaming and yelling obscenities. You would call the police. Right. And the police would come and check it out. It would not be up to you to go over to the neighbor and tell them to stop because they could be crazy. Right. And, and harm you. So in that case, you don't have tools, no rules, because you have no tools to stop that guy from doing it. But on your own land or your own house, you can call the police and they can come and do it. But in America, of course, you do have the right to bear arms. So if you chose to do something about it, you could. It's the same thing. Whereas in these games, if there's tools there, then you can remove these people from the land. But of course, the best thing to do is to call the, you know, the, the, the cops and have them handle it. That's the best thing to do. But in the game, it's virtual. So it's not real. It's not right. a real thing. But even in that aspect, though, you still have, even in life, you still have the tools. I mean, because your first thing, you can go in. I mean, I would encourage somebody to walk over and knock on your neighbor's door even upstairs down so if you're in an apartment complex if a house does knock next door say hey man you know music a little bit too loud then after that if they're still hesitant upon taking it down or you sent some type of attention say okay well you know sorry to disturb you you go back home and then that's when you call the game master hashtag call the police and the police come out and they take care of the noise ordinance or you know whatever else is going on at the house well, or you could call the landlord if it was if it was a uh, you know, like a, an apartment building. You call the landlord, right, or the property owner. And, uh, you know, but if it's a house, then 
you know, you handle it the way you want to handle it in real life. Mm-hmm. But in a game, if you have the tools, then there shouldn't need, be a need for rules. So I always went by tools, no rules. So I would always take them aside after I handled a, a griefing incident mm-hmm. where someone came in and ruined an event for someone there. You know, you can tell they're in tears because later on we added voice and you could tell they're in tears. And I'd say, look, you can't really get upset when you have the tools to get rid of these people who and are bothering you. Right. Lock them out and continue with your event. Lock them out, move on. But they keep coming back. Lock them out. They can't come back. Use your tools. Tools, no rules. And that's what I think a lot. Now, first of all, I don't understand the nature of that because, I mean, trolls have always existed. They've been called different names, but trolls have always existed. I never understood that either. I'm like, you know, why do you get into something to cause problems on somebody else? It's attention. Even now, like, and I say that because even now, like, people go on YouTube, like, how does somebody dislike a video? Because I'm like, you know, if you don't like it, then why are you watching it? So that's like, so, and I get you want to have some interactivity because everything you don't want me that somebody just, everybody just likes your stuff. But my thing is, you know, why would you sit and force yourself to watch a video all the way through and then turn around and dislike it and turn around and leave a negative comment on top of it? Now, if you want to comment and say, hey, you know, I think you should do this and do that, then that's fine. Or somebody's on your social media page. Now you've chosen to follow this person on social media. But also now you and you don't like this person, you chose to follow them. And now you're going to troll them and in their comment section, just harass the heck out of them. And I'm like, I just I never understood that about people. So I know that's my little rant because I'm like, I don't understand why people do it, especially in technology. Like, why do you do what you do to cause people problems? And and especially in a video game too. in a video game. I don't get it. Yeah. And I just did a slight to poor Amy Jo Kime. Uh, It's tools and rules. I want to make sure if she ever listened to this that I didn't butcher her uh, motto. (laughs) Misquoted. It's tools and rules. It makes more sense, I guess. So I'm sorry about that, Amy Jo Kime. You are my hero. So it's tools and rules. So that will work better than tools, no rules. But anyway, it's been so long since I wrote, uh, you know, listened to her book. So... I'm just glad that um, I went by that because it really did help in that job because you ran into a lot of griefers. So a game master, who would be a good fit for a game master for people that's listening? Because like I said, this is a position that when I looked up, I mean, it didn't even go into the detail like you, that you're telling me that they would uh, be interested in. And so who would be a good fit to be actually in that position? Well, first of all, you have to have a level head because most of the time it is griefing situations where you have a lot of people gathered or watching Mm -hmm. of someone going off. And whether you appear before everyone or not, depending on the game, they're all like, what are you going to do? And how are you going to handle it? Because however you do handle it is going to go right in the forum for that game. Oh, that person did nothing. That person was worthless. They should fire them. Ooh. That kind of thing is going to go right in the forum. So you have to be quick thinking. You have to have a level head. You have to remember everything that you say can and will be used against you in their court of law. So you have to remember everything you say is being recorded, screenshotted, put on Twitter, put on Instagram. 
whatever you did, whatever you do, is going to be is going to be said. So you have to think before you type, and you have to be very, very, you know, focused on what you're doing. So, so it, I always stuck to the tools. So in in your idea, your experience working, in, like, what's some of the, the fun parts of the job itself? Well, there were also nice parts of the job where people made nice things and uh, there were nice uh, things like where they, they, they had support groups. They, they met in the, in the game and they had support groups. They talked about nice things about like cancer treatment or cancer survivors or they talked about, uh, you know, raising children properly or raising autistic children properly or, or whatever, things like that. Mm-hmm. So for uh, people that wants to get just this interested in this, like, what would you say? I mean, because you had connections, but what would you tell individuals to say, okay, this is what I think you should do and the steps to take to actually get yourself ready for a position like this and to actually move into this position if one exists within your own company? Well, I think they mostly evolved into support positions is what I believe. Because every time that I have needed something in a game, like for instance, uh, Blade and Soul, I wanted to play Blade and Soul again. Uh But the email that I had in there no longer existed for me because I changed ISPs. So I had to go and I couldn't get in the game actually, right? So Uh I had to go through their support system. Now, another time I had a problem with a quest uh, after I got that resolved, I got into the game again. And then I had a problem with a quest. And I didn't see anybody else lined up around me saying they couldn't get the object done or the object when I clicked on it didn't do what it's supposed to do to complete the quest. And I didn't see anybody else around there. So I asked in chat, I said, I'm doing X quest. Does anybody have a problem getting the, the uh, object you're supposed to get when you click on it and finish the quest? And they said, no, we didn't have any problem. So there was no page button. There was no way to get a game master to appear before you. I had to go through support. So I think that it's rarer and rarer that they're having people actually appear before you. If they do, I believe it's either, if there is a contact game master, then Mm -hmm. it would be like a menu item. But I think the person is not actually going to appear before you they're in some area of the game that the players can't get to and they talk to you from that area um in a private message like uh, a tell and i think that that's how they're doing it now or there's only a support link on their web page now i think it would be cool like i don't know if you've ever seen because i'm an anime anime person too even as old as i am i still love me, me some anime you ever seen an anime called Sword Art Online? I've heard of the game. So Sword Art Online, the anime is, and I, I have a point behind this. So the anime is they have end users that log into a virtual world and they can actually phys- feel like they're physically within this virtual world themselves. And when they have an issue, then they do have a game master that can appear in front of them. Well, the anime was so popular that IBM is actually, I mean, I just came out years ago, so I need to follow back up on it because I'm, I really want to play this game. 
IBM is wanting to use their servers and the super servers to actually replicate this anime and make a virtual world like that for users to log into and almost like Second Life, but on Second Life times two to where they can come in and have this world and live out their life and, and perform all these different actions and build up their own avatars and characters within this world itself. But in that world, if they ever have a problem, I think that would be cool to have a game master pop up because that game master now can see whatever problems that you might be encountering. Let's say you're trying to, you have a problem with it interacting with the NPC. And that's people that don't know what game NPC is an unplayable character. So you have a problem with the NPC, but you're the only one having a problem with the NPC and they can't, they're not seeing anybody else have it. So that, that, that game master now, I think in my opinion, should be able to log virtually into their world. And now, like in your case, they can see their avatar and they can see what you're exactly seeing and see what their problem is. And maybe it could be something tied down just to you and your platform and the system that you're logging into that might be causing a potential bug. So, I mean, that that actually would be pretty cool. And I did, I, like I said, I brought it up because I think to have interactivity like that to where an avatar was necessary, you can come in to recreate the problem and see what the end user is seeing. Because if you're just putting in a ticket, I mean, like all of us working in tickets, we try to go back and replicate the situation and the problem. And if we can't replicate it, then we have to try to, we, we, we escalate it up if this problem is still occurring. And then either level, level two or level three support will have to log in and they have to see if they can recreate it. But if they don't, in the end, we're going to have to come in and look at that user or in our case, the end user using that platform and seeing what they're seeing so we can actually get an idea of what their problem is. So I think we should go back to that way because tickets are great and I understand it comes down to resources and having enough people readily available to go in because I mean, you're talking about that, like you say, thousands and thousands of end users in these, these games and playing and what if everybody have a problem? You don't have enough people to support that. But at least if it's a major issue that you're going to have to push out a patch for like a security vulnerability, like it could be a zero day problem that you didn't see when the game was first developed. You can go in and actually see that and they can have that, even though it's a virtual world, they can still have their personal one-on-one support and they can see you and you can see them and you all can talk that way and see what problems they might be um, having. It was much more personal that way. It really was. And you actually see the problem. You knew what the problem was. You knew where it was. You knew how to get to it. You had different tools that you could use to identify the problem. You had a whole group of people behind you that could also see the problem from where you were, you know, and they could also get their avatar and come and look at it. It was, you know, much more personal. And that's cool. I mean, if you, if, if you all think about it, that's pretty cool. So let's say almost like in real life, you have a problem taking place at your house. Like you got a, a water line, a leak at your house. It's in your front yard. Now, nine times out of 10, you know, it's your yard. Nobody's going to be around it. But let's imagine you're in a virtual world and you're trying to build something. But every time you place a block down or place down a piece of wood or whatever, the wood it disappears. But now you call in the game master. The game master now appears in front of you. And then a crowd can come around and they can see what you're experiencing. And realistically, if it's something that they can, the game master can fix, then now the cry as opposed to going through a forum because forums can be tedious. It's like a lot of data that you have to get through and then you have to search for an actual problem. Those other end users can see what their situation is. So if they encounter the same problem, they now can put in a ticket this time, put in a ticket and say, Hey, you know, 
we know what this is. We've seen it before. We saw uh, Diva's sister. She came in and she repaired this for this person. And now we're having the same problem. We want to know if you can log in and do the same thing for us. That would be awesome. And then, of course, it'd be a cool experience to be able to see something like that. Yeah, that's kind of how it was, pretty much. We hung out in a um, in an area that was just only for us, and we just kind of hang out there during our shifts. And then we 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 get paged, we go, come back, and they get paged, we go, come back, so forth. Well, are you still working within technology? Uh, well, I guess in a way, Instagram tag is at Diva Sister, and what I'm doing is on my iPad and my drawing monitor is I'm taking selfies that people send to me and I turn them into cartoon aspects of themselves for price, of course. Of course. Nothing is. And well. then I use sewing and uh, computer technology um, at times. Sometimes people want their portraits sewn onto hats, bags, t-shirts, or anything. And that is a big thing. Because I myself have wanted time, so I wanted myself drawn in the cartoon as an avatar, which a lot of these a lot of these applications came out to create avatars. But that's what Diva Sister does is the more personalized thing, which is great because that way now you can get a personalized digital image, cartoon image of yourself. So that's great. So what other ways can they, if they wanted to, use your services and want to reach out to you? How would somebody get in touch with you? On Instagram at Diva Sister, D I V I S I S T A. All right. Well, thank you, Diva. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. By DM. You well, pay a small you. price, and that's it. <laughs> yes. The, the DMs are open for business purposes only. The DMs are open. And she will play with you on games. You know, if it's a game that she has and she's interested in playing, because that's how we met. You know, we play Minecraft and now she's gotten me back into Diablo, which I died a couple of times. So I got to go back in and get my person built back up. But I I do want to say thank you for being on the show. I mean, you introduced something to me that, like I said, I didn't even know existed. So thank you for giving me some new knowledge because it's always good to learn something new. So thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored to be on your show. I'm also very honored that you follow me on my uh, portraits and that you always like my portraits when I post one. I do. I mean, even though I have a basic page, so people that don't follow me, I mean, I encourage everyone to follow me. It, I'm on, um, it is ptg.tv on Instagram. And I post a lot of like computer bills because I love computer bills. I mean, that's, you know, I love, I love technologies. I mean, that's the whole thing of the podcast was politics, text and gaming. But I do, I really do love technology because to, to me, technology, especially when you do computer build outs, and especially what Diva Sister does, it's a form of art. It really is a form of art and people wouldn't necessarily see it that way. But I'm like, if you look at my profile and you see a lot of the things that people have created and their, their setups, to, it's beautiful. And it takes an artistic person. And they, like I said, they wouldn't see it that way to create some of the things they have with the RGB lights and the computer bills and having the cooling system for the CPUs. It is, to me, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, especially when you get into uh, quantum computing and some of the quantum computers that like Google has, and what Amazon has come up with. Technology is amazing. Technology really is amazing. And I think everybody should get in and, and dip their, their feet in the pool to, to get a taste of it. Because, I mean, it is something interesting. Even if you don't use it as a career, it is something that, you know, you can get into as a secondary field or just to have some experience and play around with it because you can literally build out what it is that you want to build out and te almost technically create your own world and exist in your world and have fun 
and build up the life that you want to live virtually to give you a place to disconnect. Because even in this, these times that's taking place right now, it is a way for you to disconnect and find some state of peace and something that can bring happiness. Because as you see on the news, everything is a lot of negative stuff. So now, you know, everybody needs an outlet to be able to find a place to, to zen out on. So I'm sure that's what Diva Sister gets out of creating her artwork, even if she's getting paid for it. Because I mean, I'm not going to say I do a whole lot of stuff for free either, but uh, <laughs> is she getting paid I for wouldn't- it? I wouldn't be doing it for free. Absolutely not. There's, there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, effort put in those. So I got to get paid for it. Got to right. pay the bills. Got to pay them bills. Oh, you so, we so do. I mean, we sure do. So thank you all again for tuning in to, to my very first tech episode of Tech Talk and talking about a game master. Like I said, thank you again to Diva Sister for even introducing this position to me. And I do encourage everyone to go out and look at positions similar to even if it's an IT support position. I think the IT support positions are very fulfilling. You get an experience of working along with because I start, I mean I mean I tell you start off in those positions, typically help desk and then you go into a more support based role. But it gives you the, the chance to actually interact with end users or customers and understand some of the frustration they be having that you might particularly have as well. And you learn how to interact and talk with people and actually resolve a problem. That's the problem we have nowadays. People not talking and resolving issues to resolve issues. And it gives you the fulfillment of seeing it actually come to a solution and it gets taken care of. And you see how it makes you feel when you complete the task out and how the end user feel once the request they put in gets completed out. So thank you all for tuning in for this episode. It was great having Diva Sister on to discuss what a game master is and a breakdown of what it involves. I can honestly say being involved with technology over the course of my 20 years has taught me a ton of life skills from leadership development, speaking in front of large groups, team building, customer communications, and lots more. I encourage everyone to learn all they can about tech as a secondary skill set so that we become more creators within this country than users. I want to say thank you all for tuning in to the first Tech Talk episode. Stay safe out in those streets. And as always, happy podcasting.